Basketball Manitoba podcast, we have Graham Bodner. He is a staple in the basketball community. If there's a basketball event, he'll be there as a player, coach, or simply supporting in some way. He is a graduate of Providence College in Otterburn, Manitoba, where he led his team to two MCAC championships and two ACCA national championships. During his time there, he was recognized as a second team all-conference two times, as well as an academic All-American. He started playing professional 3x3 basketball in 2014, qualifying for the FIBA 3x3 World Tour two times. Additionally, he played professionally in Japan for one season. He is a member of Canada's Deaf National Team. He's played in the USADB National Tournament, where he was named Tournament MVP, and his team won the Division II National Championship. Most recently, he's participated in the Deaf Pan American Basketball Championships. He's currently the head coach at Richer School, a position he's held for 14 years. He's been the head coach for the Providence College Women's Program. He's assisted with the men's program, and he's been a regular instructor at their summer camps. Additionally, he's coached with the provincial team for one season. Most people know him for his dominance in senior men's, winning many championships over the years. However, he will be remembered for holding the unofficial record for playing on the most teams in the same at the same time in a single season. Graham, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is uh, an honor like no other. I really can't put into words what this means. <laughs> Absolutely. So we were talking offline a little bit. Um, just got to get this straight out the way. Graham and I are really good friends. So, uh, you know, if, if, if anything seems strange, you're like, we have to say it right away, right? Because we don't want it to be this thing. People are listening like, are they are they good buddies? What's going on here? So <laughs> yeah. we're good friends. We were talking offline and you're saying how honored you were. Um, I think you might also be um, another unofficial stat here is you might be our biggest supporter. Like without a doubt, I'll, I'll just again say what I said offline. If, if people don't know this already, this to me is like hosting Saturday Night Live, being on the Tonight Show, headlining Woodstock. This show is my favorite show, <clears throat> my favorite podcast, my favorite source of content. I look forward to listening to this more than anything. So to be on it is surreal. The people that you've had on, like just to share, you and I were part of making the dream list of guests. Yes. I, yes. I can't believe the names that we came up with and like, oh man, wouldn't it be great to talk to this person? And to be on the show just doesn't even, it's surreal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think like, that's the one thing, like, you know, at the end there, I was, I was, uh, I threw that in there. It, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's kind of funny between you and I, but I put it in there to kind of show your dedication to the community because you've been around for so long. But when I, you know, when, when Adam and I got together and I said, Hey, we should do this podcast. You're the first person I think we shared the list with. I was like, Hey, he said, share with some people. I shared it with you. I think he shared it with his, you know, with Bill or something like that and his dad, but right away. And then we went down through the list together <clears throat> and, and looked at, you know, who would be cool. Like you said, so I think that says a lot and, and how committed you are and, and you, you really are stable in the community. So for me, obviously as a friend, it's awesome to have you on, but I think you're well-deserving it. So, is, uh, and, 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 the, and again, the humility and excitement you show is, is enough to <laughs> enough in itself. Right. So, um, you just got back from Argentina yep. playing in the, yeah, playing the deaf Pan American, uh, basketball championships. What, what was that like? Ah, uh, again, a surreal experience. Like I'd been preparing for that for over two years with the pandemic and everything. We, we were supposed to go a long time ago. So it was a long, long time preparing, but it's still, you just can't believe it once you're in the moment. And I, I've shared with you that uh, yeah. just some of the experiences as they're happening, you just can't believe you have this opportunity. I mean, even though I knew for two years, you're going to get this opportunity. Once you're actually in it, you just can't believe uh, you're representing your country and you're you're playing basketball every day and, and like at such a high level and just 
you kind of reflect on how you got there. And for me, as you mentioned, a lot of things there has just been so many years of, of dreaming and playing and preparing and practicing and all that stuff. And you just can't believe that journey, how you got to where you are in that moment and just to mm-hmm. appreciate and enjoy the moment while you'd actually have it. So sure. it was, it was sure. unbelievable. Yeah. So, so where, that was in Argentina, right? Yep. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And like getting there must've been insane. Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> took, <laughs> took over 24 hours to get there between the flights and the layovers and uh, all that stuff. And uh, again, you know that on paper, you see the travel plans, but once you're in it, as, as we've all experienced with travel, oh, yeah. it's, it's quite something. Those, uh, those planes are a little tight sometimes for the oh, legs. And, <laughs> so yeah, it, was, it was quite something to get there. Getting there was quite a relief. Yeah, for sure. Well, that, you mentioned the plane thing. Any, anyone who's over like 6'2", knows the struggle you're like what six seven six seven yeah okay six seven i struggle i'm like six four okay and i'm struggling i don't know how anyone over my height actually manages at all you (laughs) know what i mean yeah you and i have had a couple of these experiences where the person in front of you tries to put their (laughs) seat back and you kind of have to lean forward and go you're like no i don't want you to it's actually not going to be possible i can't yeah yeah they're trying to like jam it back (laughs) it's not coming back so hold on this reminds me of a story i know this is a slight (laughs) slight tangent but shout out to dan becker um i think this story came from you i don't know if you want to tell it yeah uh i'm not sure so no this is about the, the the chair exactly that story where Someone's trying to jam the chair back or maybe Dan was telling me, but like his Dan's, you know, Dan is also about, he's he's taller than you and he's big and someone was trying to jam their chair back and he was like, nah, it's not going to happen. Exactly. I think let's just say this. I'm, I'm very uh, gentle and polite about saying, I'm sorry. I don't think this chair is going to work. I think Dan laid a screen on the guy and said, you're not coming back here. He's like, it's not happening. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I got to ask, man, like you, like you said, the event, meant so much to you it's kind of allowed you to able to reflect back and like how you got to that point um representing your country but you get back to canada how did that event maybe change you or change your perspective on 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 basketball or your life yeah wow that's a great question um it's interesting because when i was there as i said i was reflecting you kind of you kind of go back to the starting point of, of how you started basketball and for me that was uh <clears throat> not playing a lot in high school barely making mm-hmm. the team kind of thing And Mm -hmm. so, again, you just have the sense of appreciation. Like if you'd have told me back then all the stuff I would get to do, including this, it just wouldn't even be a believable thing. And so, again, you just come home and go like, wow, I don't don't know what happens moving forward, but just look at this this journey I've been on, what I've been able to do and how fortunate I've been with these opportunities. And it just, again, it just really... It just really puts in perspective how how lucky I've been and how Mm -hmm. amazing the journey has been. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, you had mentioned uh, high school yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned, you mentioned, you know, not playing much. And, you know, I, as you know, I start the podcast off with a lot of people, um, you know, sometimes there's some ch- chatter like this, but when we get into their story, I always say, you know, well, you know, my first memory of you yeah. was, and my <laughs> first memory of you was being in the ninth grade and, and you, I think were in the 11th grade and we're at lunch, open gym and playing around and you are like, Hey, do you want to play some one-on-one? And again, I don't remember any of that stuff around it, but I, I remember that you asked me to play and we're playing one-on-one and there's yeah. know, people playing on b- balls bouncing in because it was just crazy gym, yeah. but that's my first memory of you. And so that's my reflection of you, but I want to make, uh, I want you to make a reflection of, of basketball and, and how you got into it. What are some of your first memories of basketball? Uh, how did you get involved in the game? 
for sure. And by the way, I'm going to come back to that story after. <laughs> That's a crucial moment in my development. But uh, uh, for anyone who knows me, I actually I, I played a lot of sports when I was younger. My parents gave me a lot of opportunities. But at some point, I found skateboarding and just became mm-hmm. obsessed with skateboarding. So I kind of dropped all traditional sports and skateboarding became the thing that my friends and I uh, pursued every day. And we, we thought we were going to become professional at that and all that. But anyway, every single day we go skateboarding, especially in the summers, and in my uh, going into grade 10 year, that was the year uh, Jordan and the Bulls had the 72 and 10 mm-hmm. uh, epic year that he came back. But uh, we would we would take breaks from skateboarding during the day sometime, just like a little quick break and, and shoot some shoot some hoops at a local court. Not for long, but just to kind of take a break from the skateboarding. And I found myself each time we played going like, oh, I like this a lot. Like and I'd kind of say to the guys like, hey, can we can we stay a bit long? And they're like, no, we're not playing real sports we're going skateboarding but i found yeah. <laughs> myself wanting to stay longer and longer and i'll never forget one time there were actual basketball guys there and we played with them and we weren't good but i found myself wanting to stay like my my buddies wanted to go back skateboarding and i was like i kind of want to stick around and play more basketball and so that that really started this passion of like oh man i think i like this leading yeah. to my grade 10 school year where i decided i'm gonna i'm gonna try and make this basketball team and for anyone who knows, if you're starting grade 10, that is a recipe for disaster. Like you are so far behind, never mind mm-hmm. the actual skills. You don't know the rules. You don't know the fundamentals. You don't <laughs> a pivot foot, a box out, all the language are things that you've never heard before. So mm-hmm. I'm going to tryouts with no knowledge of anything. If anything, I'm just watching other guys and like, okay, that's how you do that. And that's how you do that. And so I got to give a shout out to my JV coaches at Collegian Sauvé. It was Steve Billner and Dale Williams. Just the fact that they gave me a spot on the team is everything. Because without mm-hmm. that opportunity, I don't, I don't know what happens next. Because maybe I yeah. just go back to the skateboarding. I can't, I can't play actual sports. But them giving me a spot on the team, and it was one of the last spots on the team, just allowed me to be there and now learn from them, from others. And uh, truthfully, they didn't coach me a lot because I was so far behind. They had a team to get prepared for games. I don't blame them at all. I was so far behind. They couldn't possibly develop my skill and, and, and that in that short of time. So if anything, I just, from watching my teammates and sitting there during games and watching, I just learned the game through them more than anything, not from having individual coaching on skills and all that stuff. And so all those teammates and stuff, if they only knew how, uh, how much they formed my ability to learn the game, and uh, yeah. again, that opportunity is because of those two coaches. I really appreciate that. But to go to the next year, I'm in grade 11 and I'm not on the team. So when I'm challenging you to one-on-one, I'm actually not even on the high school team. I'm the really? manager. Yeah. So I try out for the team. It's an unbelievable team that goes on to win the 4A uh, provincial championship with some yep. incredible players. So no surprise, I'm not on the team. I'm the manager. So when I'm coming to that gym to challenge you, I'm just looking for games. Like I don't have practices. I don't have games. So every chance I'm in the gym, I'm looking for someone to play. I know right away that you know what you're doing. You can play. So, Hey, I got to try to play that guy. But Mm. one thing I've shared with you before is I'm already at that time doing the math. Okay. This guy's in grade nine next year (laughs) when I'm in grade 12, I want to make the team, but he's going to be in grade 10 and he's good. He's getting a spot on that team. That might be the spot I hope to get. So I'm already thinking like, Oh man, I might not make it next year either. And so, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, what's funny about that. Uh, I think cause I correct me if I'm wrong. Dale, Dale ended up, Dale Williams ended up coaching the, was he the varsity? No, in, in your grade 12 year, who was the varsity coach? That's right. It was Dale. Yeah. Dale. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, cause Dale coached me, uh, in, in the 10th grade. Yeah. Um, and then, 
I'm trying to get this straight. Anyways, long story short, when I was in the 10th grade, yeah. uh, he, he was asked me to play varsity. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, nah, I'm going to play. And I ended up, you know, not playing varsity, but I'm curious. Yeah. I don't know if that would have oh, been like, yeah. you're not playing or what, but. Oh yeah. yeah. That's there. If a few, if guys like you and Isaac, Isaac Hansa also at CGS before Glenland make some different decisions. Uh, we're not talking right now, or I don't, I don't know, but I, yeah, there's, there's some very easy ways I wouldn't have played in grade 12 either. And mm-hmm. so very fortunate. One thing I don't even know if I've shared with you, but uh, in that grade 11 year as a manager, the unbelievable part is we have the number one player in the province, Dan Shinkarek, and every single day at lunch, he plays with us, a group of us. So if you think about it, I'm not on the team. I don't get any practices or games, but every mm-hmm. single day I'm matching up with the number yes. one player in the entire province. Now he's dunking on me and he's blocking yeah. every shot I even think about taking. But the point that I get to play and practice against this guy and his brother, his twin brother, was incredible. Like what a mm-hmm. what a way to get practice when you're not actually on the team. And so that entire sure. group of guys, the, the Shankarik brothers, Jeff and Jan, uh, Mache, uh, Alex yeah. Dick, Carl Felix in my group, in my grade, uh, just an unbelievable group of talent to even just be the team manager and to watch them play and to have the season they had. Again, mm-hmm. it's such a big part of my learning uh, understanding the game and, and how to play and stuff. So amazing, amazing experience. Well, you got to, you have to tell everyone. So this is something you have told me before. So you win the championship yeah. and what happens after that? The conversation you had. Yeah. with uh, so, so it's, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for bringing that up. So in my grade 11 year, I, I am in the gym every conceivable second you could be in there that I'm allowed before school, after school, anytime I'm allowed to, I'm, I'm spending the year getting ready to hopefully play in grade 12. There's no community club basketball. There's no club basketball. It's your school team. That's it. So if you don't, if you're not on your school team, you're not playing organized basketball. So I have yeah. to make this team in grade 12. So I'm the manager all year. I do the best I can. Uh, at the very end, I go and thank the coach. Hey, I want to thank you for this opportunity to be the manager. I really appreciate it, which I did. And he said, you know what? You can do it again next year. <laughs> and so just just a devastating blow because like, oh man, I've been working for a year. Like I said, I'm practicing against the number one player in the province and he's yeah. killing me, but at least yeah. I, you know, I'm getting reps and stuff. And uh, okay. I'm not done working because I might be the manager again. I gotta, I gotta find a way to make this team the following year. Yeah. So to be clear, you made the team the following year. I did. I, did. <laughs> yes. I, uh, I wasn't the last guy, but I surely wasn't getting uh, a ton of playing time. I was once again, a, a solid bench player. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, Seems like a lot of this, of your story so far, you gave a shout out uh, to your first two coaches, but was there anyone else like from a mentorship standpoint, even other players yeah, uh, so, that, you know, taught some, taught you some lessons, uh, helped you help push you along the way? For sure. So to be honest, like in, in the entire high school run, I didn't have any coaching aside from my coaches for the team. And again, don't blame them at all. They did not have the time to put into me individually and, and really help me develop. Uh, so it's really the players, everyone I played with against mm-hmm. all I was doing was taking in what they did, how they did it, that kind of stuff. Uh, like I said, getting beat up by a guy like getting beat up <laughs> basketball wise by a guy like Dan Shinkarek, super helpful. Uh, yeah. Guys like Mache and Carl, just playing them one on one. You really understand like, man, what makes these guys so good and why am I not good and what do I need to get better at? And it just really like. I, just, I still, to this day, every player that I play with or against, there's something that they do well or there's something that I can learn from. Mm-hmm. And that started back then. It was just like I just from watching and, and, and observing what they're doing, you really understand things you could do better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always laugh when people say, like, you ask someone, what's your game like? And they say, oh, you know, I, I shoot like Steph. 
Like, <laughs> drive with LeBron, they always take the best aspects. But yeah. to be fair, every guy I've played with or against, I've, I've tried to take a little piece of what they do. Not that I've mastered it in any way, but just what can I learn from these guys? What do they do well? How can I implement that? And so all through those high school years, it's really just so many talented guys and just watching what they do and how could I try to implement that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's something you've, you've done fairly, fairly well at um, yours. You're kind of like the quest for knowledge. Like people do always say like, man, like you have so many questions. So and, uh, if you, if you played against me, the chances are good that at, in a handshake line after the game, you've been pulled aside <laughs> and asked, been yes. asked questions that you either can't wait to answer or you're like, why is this guy asking me? But yeah, who is I this always, guy? Yeah, who is this guy? I always appreciate some guys are unbelievable at giving advice and some just go, I don't know. I go like, how do you do this? And they go, I don't know. And they, and to be fair, they're so talented and they're so good at what they do. Yeah. They don't really have the answer. Whereas they don't other actually guys know. Will, exactly. Whereas other guys will tell me the process of how they got better at this move or better at that. But yeah, just constantly wanting to know, hey, how do you do that? And how'd you get so good at that? And, and again, mm-hmm. there's so many guys that are so good in Manitoba alone that I just always see something that I'd like to try to get better at. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I see over, I think it's your right shoulder. I see something that says uh, fly high, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Providence College. Um, yep. You know, most people uh, have heard of Providence, Rhode Island. Many yep. have not heard of Providence College in Ottawa, Manitoba. And now I, um, probably like many others, I received a recruitment letter from them when I was at Glenlawn and I was coming out and I was like, what? where is this? Yeah. And there was a nice letter and it was like, you know, Hey, we want to invite you out to this, this thing. But um, again, most people never heard of it. So the big question is how did you end up there? Wow. That's uh that's a long story. I'll try to try to condense a little bit. Uh, just let you know, as it says, we fly high there. They're now, they're now known as the Providence pilots back then they were the Providence Freeman, which yeah. if you played in that era, like I did, you kind of hold that name dearly still. Uh, but obviously I'm a, still a big supporter of the pilots, but uh yeah, I was at uh, after high school. I went to University of Winnipeg, and uh, just to continue my education, and uh, still had this absolute dream to play. Like when high school ended, again, I got to put this in perspective. There is no club, there is no community club. Uh, there's there, senior men's is nothing. There's a league, one league, and you're going to get to play 14 games for the year. 14 mm-hmm. games for the year. So you're going from a high school season where you play more. And now it's about half of that. Yeah. And so there are no opportunities to play organized basketball and so when I get to the end of high school all I'm not thinking like I got to go to college to prove that I'm that level I'm thinking I want to play more organized basketball that's it and Mm -hmm. there's no opportunities Mm -hmm. the only rational thing is to play college or university basketball to keep playing and play more and to take it that seriously and so I go to UW with no idea how I'm going to do this basketball thing but I go there for school and every single day I'm playing in the gym and again I can't the Duck Horse Center is one of the best gyms we have in Manitoba. Yes. When I got to the UW and, and I found out you could use it daily, I I couldn't believe it. Like you're in high school and you're <laughs> waiting for janitors to keep, keep, kick you out. And now I'm in this gym with three gyms and we can just use it. We can use yeah. the Duck Horse Center. This is where the Westman play. This is like, yeah. we're allowed to use this. And so I'm in there every second I can. I used to joke that I, uh, what were you taking in school? I was taking basketball because I would go mm. to class, but really I was just there to use the gym. And uh, so every day I'm, I'm, I'm using the gym and playing as much as I can. And sometimes getting to play with some of the Westman guys, they would come in and play and beat us up and again, basketball wise. But uh, I do have to give a quick story before I get to the Providence thing. <laughs> so one day I'm in there and again, I was always looking to play one-on-one again, to have the chance to see how do guys do this and what, what's their skill set mm-hmm. and right. 
And so one day I happened to see who we know is to be as Kirby Shep. He's an assistant with the University of Winnipeg uh, men's team. And he's just kind of shooting around on, a, on another hoop. And I, of course, I got to go. I got to go challenge this guy one-on-one. And, and I'm used to, at this point, people saying, no, nah, I'm good. Like, they have no interest in the one-on-one. Some do. So I go to ask him, and he's, he's nice enough. Sure, let's play one-on-one. So we play one-on-one. Uh, I actually, and this is very rare, I don't remember how the games went. You know me. I don't really get <laughs> scores and details. But uh, I guess it went well enough because at the end, he said to me, hey, uh, we have a Division One senior men's team that the Westmen that don't travel play on on the weekends. Uh, could you come sub for us this Sunday? We're short a few guys because everybody's traveling. Yeah. So the part I left out is at this point, I'm playing division 10 senior men's. I'm in the yeah. lowest level of senior men's. I'm with the guys that are just hoping to get out and have some fun. Yeah. I don't know if that's my level, but that's the only team I could get on. So I'm on a division 10 team and this Kirby is now saying, do you want to play division one? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just an incredible opportunity. So I go and I sub for that game. I happen to shoot really well and he invites me back and sure enough, I get to play uh, for the rest of the season with those guys. So imagine playing division one and division 10 at the same time and, and just trying to trying to appreciate both and enjoy both. But hold on, hold on. This is the start of it all. This is, this, this is, was the start of you playing on multiple teams at the same yes, time. <laughs> yes. This is as well. <laughs> more than anything, this is me just getting opportunities to play more yes, so I can yes. develop more. Cause again, sure. pick up one-on-one, Hey, you're getting better, but like you got to play with traveling and you got to play with yeah. fouling and you got to yeah, know. Yeah. Right. So this is just more opportunity. I've told you this one at the very end of the season, we're in the championship game for division one, super excited. And I I'm in the layup line and a ref comes up to me and he goes, Hey, don't you play for such and such a team in division 10? And I'm thinking to myself, man, I, I must be playing pretty good. If he knows who I am. And he goes, <laughs> I go, I do. I do play on that team. And he goes, Oh, well, you can't play in this game. You're disqualified. You can't be on more than one. <laughs> what? So instead of the division 10 team, I'm being kicked out of the division one championship. And wow. uh, for those who don't know, back in the day, senior men's, you can't play on more than one team. doesn't matter yeah. what division. That, that's not a thing. That's a rule that we can talk about later. Yeah. But you can't play on more than one team. Anyway, all of this, I say that uh, this was the development of eventually getting to Providence. Uh, long story short, a friend of mine is talking about how to recruit yourself. And I don't really understand what he means by that. Because I had this thought, if I work hard enough and I'm in the gym every day, coach from anywhere is going to walk in and go, Hey, you're the guy guy we need on our team. And he just kind of woke me up to the idea that you've got to go and pursue it yourself. You've got to talk to coaches, talk to schools and uh, try to get workouts and tryouts and all that and see, see if they'll give you a shot. And this is in the very, very early days of the internet, like websites, web pages are not what you think. Like the fact that they had a website is incredible. But anyway, this friend of mine said, you should start with a, a small school like Providence College. And I go, what's that? And he said, it's in Otterburn, Manitoba. And I said, it's in Manitoba. Same as you, I'd never heard of yeah. it. And uh, he said, yeah, start with that to build your confidence and then try the, the bigger and better schools. So it's the first website I go to. And immediately, and again, this is like an archaic website that today would be, you wouldn't even allow it. You know, it's on there that's not going to represent as well. Within seconds, I'm going, Oh, wow. This is it. Like, this is, if I have a chance, I'm going here like this. I, this is, this is it. This is the new dream, if you will. And so sure enough, I contact and even email. This was the early stages. I contact the athletic director. He gets me in touch with the coach. Uh, We set up a workout, a tryout. We have the the workout tryout and uh, it goes really well. 
and again, this is this is easier than playing in games. This is uh, it's skills yeah. and stuff, the stuff I've yeah. been preparing for. So it, it goes pretty well. Uh, and the coach says to me after, he says, hey, if you come to school here in the fall, you have a spot on the team. Now, I don't know if people, people that know me know this, but if, I cannot explain this enough. When you see the NBA draft and you see the number one pick and they're crying and their family's hanging on them and they, it's the biggest moment ever in the journey. And this was bigger than that. When he said, you have a spot on the team, this was bigger than being drafted number one in the NBA. Are you kidding me? I'm going to play college basketball? Like I didn't play in high school. I, yeah. I, I was like, I was hoping Darcy didn't play so I could have a spot on the team. Like, yeah. I'm going to play college basketball, but more importantly, I'm going to keep playing basketball organized. Like I, I get to care for potentially four more years. Yeah. That was the thing. Like I, I wanted to care and senior men's people tell you, Oh, it's just senior men's. But I, I wanted to care. Like it was the NBA. Yeah. And now I would actually have the chance to go and play at Providence and, and, and care about college basketball for four more years. So yeah. Yeah. Beyond, beyond a dream come true to say the least. For sure. For sure. Okay. So that's how you got to Providence, but I yeah. think there's one story that you have to tell before that. So it has to do with the UW. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong. You did. And you did try out for the team. Oh yeah. So I was saving this for funniest basketball. Story. <laughs> well, I'm we're going to hear it now. Okay. We got to hear it now. For those who are there, they know this story. Most were not. And I'm about to, I'm about to share some very humbling experiences. So <laughs> Uh, in my second year of going to school at UW, I finally have some confidence. Kirby's allowed me to play on this team, which again was such a confidence builder. And to this day, every time I see Kirby, I think of that. And he, like I could talk about him this entire podcast. Like he's a guy that his passion and the way he talks about the game matches how I feel about it. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to have someone talk and, and coach the game the way that I feel about it is just it's unbelievable. I've tried to tell him that, and I don't know if he quite understands, but <laughs> thank you, Kirby, for, for everything. Uh, anyway, I, uh, I decided, okay, I'm going to try out for UW. This dream is still going. The Providence thing hasn't come along yet, so my only opportunity is to try out for the school that I'm going to. And I go to all their games. I'm aware of how good they are. I play with them at lunchtime, but I think, you know what, maybe I could be the 15th guy and just be on the team, and that's, that's mm-hmm. all it is. It's not about being the guy. I just want to be on the team. And so uh, – I talked to coach Bill Wedlake, who was the coach at the time. And he kind of said how it works. Uh, here's some training you should do in the summer running. And, and when you come in the fall, we'll have the tryouts and uh, see what happens. He doesn't know me at all. I have no high school resume to give him or anything like that. So yeah. Anyway, so I, I, I go to the tryouts in the fall and we're on the court and I'm ready. Like I've been playing basketball <laughs> all summer. So I am ready to go. I'm looking at all the guys. I know how good they are, but like, I think I can do it. And Coach Whiteflake says, okay, gentlemen, let's go down to the weight room. <laughs> I kind of I look at the other guys like, is he joking? The weight room? Like basketball child, like why are we going to the weight room? So we go down there and, and he, he explains to everybody and they've done stuff like this before. So they're not surprised, but I'm kind of going like, what's going on here? But anyway, okay, we have a minute. You're going to do a bench press for a minute, as many reps as you can. We've got a 45 on each end of the bar and you're just going to do as many as you can. So I'm thinking, all right, like, I guess this is part of it. I'll, uh, I'll do the best I can here. I'm not a, not a big guy. That's no secret, but I have effort so I can, I can do that. So I still remember Sean Cross uh, was a player at the time going into his fifth year. He goes up first and he is not lifting the weights. He's throwing the weights. Like yeah. he, forget the minute time limit. They have to stop him. He's not too tired. He's like, okay, I'm out of time, but he's throwing the weights around violently. Like, whoa, this is, but I'm thinking like, okay, this, this doesn't look that heavy. Like he's tossing it around. Maybe it's just a light <laughs> weight and they just want to see how fast you can go in a minute. So 
couple more guys go and now it's my turn. And so they have spotters on each side, just in case you get too tired, you know, you need some help at the end. Yeah. I gotta say, well, maybe I'll save that part. So <laughs> as I lift the bar to bring it down, I kind of take a deep breath and I kind of look at the guys that are spotting and nothing happens. And they're looking <laughs> at me and they're like, okay, go ahead. And within a second, I have a realization You've never been in the weight room. <laughs> You've never done a bench press. You've never, what are you doing? And so I go to lift it and it will not move. I'm not choking. <laughs> I'm able to hold it there, but it's not moving at all. And the guys beside me are like, hey, you can go. Like the clock has started. And I don't even want to say it. I don't want to tell them like I can't. I just kind of look <laughs> at them and go like, and, and eventually they get the hint and they lift this thing off me. I have done zero reps. I have taken the bar off, <laughs> done zero reps compared to the many others at the West. And as they lift the bar off me, I walk away and I have a moment to think to myself, did I just get cut? Like, is that enough to to not make the team? So it was was really tough, but it gets better. So from there, we go to a different room. And in this room is a treadmill. And I don't know what they're about to tell us to do, but I know I got to make up for this because that was a bad showing there. <laughs> and so they had the treadmill. It's on an incline. And Coach Wedlake explains, okay, the all-time Westman record is this many seconds. Uh, I believe it was set by Kevin Chief, if I remember correctly. And, yeah, so here we go. So you get on there. And, again, you have two spotters waiting to help you if you, you know, kind of run out of gas at the end. I'll never forget Suk Singh goes first. And he, he kills it, just kills it. Comes yeah. within, like, three, four seconds of the record. First guy. And I'm like, oh man, maybe this record isn't that bad. <laughs> yeah, that was great. So I, I, as the other guys are going, I think to myself, okay, this is it. This is, this is the greatest opportunity ever. I'm going to set the record. If I set the Westman, the all-time Westman record on this treadmill, I have to make the team. Yeah. They can't be telling the story the next year. Hey, the all-time record is held by a guy that didn't play for the Westman. That doesn't, yes. that doesn't work. <laughs> I, I beat, I make this record. I'm on the team. This is it. Forget the weightlifting, forget the basketball. I'm going to make the team with this treadmill thing. <laughs> so I get on the treadmill. And again, I had done lots of running in the summer. So I knew like, okay, hey, this isn't like yeah. the weightlifting. I'm ready for this. So, you know, I'm running and it's at a good speed, but it's, and it's on an incline, but I'm running and I'm, I'm feeling good. And I'm thinking like, you got this. This is just a decision. This isn't like an ability thing. I decide yeah. when I give up and I'm just not going to give up. So we get to like the 20 second mark and I start to feel something in my legs that I hadn't felt before. <laughs> 25 second mark is getting worse 30 second mark before I can even think about what's happened. I've been shot off the treadmill. I'm <laughs> off. It's over my legs, <laughs> the anaerobic lactic acid, whatever you want to call it in my legs, just completely locked up. And I had no choice anymore. It wasn't like I keep going, keep pushing. My legs stopped working. Wow. I shot off that treadmill so fast. The spotters weren't even ready for me. 30 <laughs> seconds. Like I wasn't even halfway to the record before realizing, oh, you need to prepare for something like this. This isn't a, uh, an effort, a will thing. You have to actually do training to be ready to do anaerobic exercises, much yeah. like the weightlifting. This guy, Suk, who almost set the record, he's been training for this. He's ready yeah. for this. Like, yeah. And anyway, long story short, the physical testing we did did not go well. Uh, <laughs> Coach Wedlake, uh, sorry, we do the basketball part. That goes well. Not too bad. I'm not killing it by any means, but I can play with the guys. I'm kind of fitting in, uh, not not disrupting things by being too bad. So, hey, you never know. Coach Wedlake pulls me into the office and he says, you know what? Basketball, not bad. you got some skills, uh, your size and, you know, mobility. 
but your body is just not where we need it to be for this level. And never has anything been truer. Like you, like mm-hmm. a lot of people don't like what coaches say. And, you know, I don't know if that's true. This was true. Like <laughs> it was, as I told you, it was beyond evident. I was nowhere physically where I needed to be compared. These other guys were unbelievable athletes, truly mm-hmm. on top of being great basketball players, just unbelievable athletes. And that was my wake up call into like, Oh, it's not just about the basketball. Like you have yeah. to compare your body in other ways to also, yeah. play, right. Yeah. So, very, very humbling experience. And again, the guys that were there, they remember this. Most guys don't know that story. Uh, people only know what they know about you now. So when they think, yeah, how did you not make it? Like, how could you? They only know me now. So they go, how could you not have made it? Or even some people think I was on that provincial high school championship team. And they yes. say, man, with you on there and these guys, you guys were loaded. And I, oh, no, I was I was taking the stats. I wasn't actually on the court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's clear. Uh, thanks for telling that story now. Cause I, I was like, we got to get this out now. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, you obviously love the game, right? Yeah. That is clear up to this point. So, you know, you, you go on to play at, at Providence. Yeah. You have a very successful career there. You, you know, as we said in the intro, you win some MCAC championships, you win some ACCA championships, your second team uh, all American or all conference so you had a, a very successful time there and there, obviously you hold them very dear in your heart, but you love the game so much. So what do you do after you're done college? Well, before I get to that, I got to I got to shout out my two college coaches, uh, Ryan Cope uh, for two years and Tim Friesen for two years. What they did was they allowed me to care that much for four years. Like mm-hmm. I took this as seriously as playing for Duke. As, as you know, this, I, this playing at Providence college was the biggest, the best thing you could be doing. It wasn't like mm-hmm. I said, oh, it's in Manitoba and it's a lower level and whatever. I treated it as if it was division one, the highest thing it could be. And not once did they ever try to give me perspective of like, you know, this isn't Duke or, you know, this isn't mm-hmm. the NCAA. They mm-hmm. allowed me to treat every single day like it was that. Uh, to this day, to, uh, both of them are really great friends of mine. They were such unbelievable mentors, not only as coach, but as men. Just I've learned so much from them. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, I just I, I can't I can never thank them enough because for four years, every single day I got to do exactly what I dreamed of doing, which was take it that seriously and and all that stuff. And they allowed me to do that. But I'll be honest, the end of college was a really scary moment because mm. for four years, I'm playing full college seasons at the highest level that we were competing at. And I could take it that seriously. And I had coaches and I had training and I had all the stuff I ever wanted. And now you're faced with this prospect of like. Now I'm going back to that senior men's of 14 games a year. You can only play on one team. 14 Mm -hmm. games is the most games I will get in an entire year. Uh, I will treat that as seriously as I can, but that's a scary prospect. So I I had this idea. And even when I was at Providence, I started to develop this idea. I want to play pro. And Mm -hmm. it had nothing to do with I'll make money or the status or I got to prove that I'm that level. I wanted to keep playing organized basketball on a high level or not a high level, but like a lot. I want to practice every day. I want to play games every other day. I want essentially the lifestyle of the NBA guys playing and caring that much, caring that much. That's what I want. It's not about Mm -hmm. proving it. So this idea of playing pro is like, I I just want to continue playing. I don't feel like I've had enough time playing organized basketball. 14 games a year is just not enough for me. Uh, How can I do this? So I, uh, right after college I actually attended some some tryout camps in the states for uh for the opportunity to go overseas and stuff like that and I gotta tell you I'd never seen anything like that I'd played four years of college I'd seen some unbelievable players I'd played with some unbelievable guys the talent I saw in some of those open gym tryouts if you will 
the guys that were hitting threes from four feet off the line were the same guys dunking on people. And yeah, so I just yeah. I couldn't believe the athleticism. I couldn't believe some of the drills were, it was a joke. Like if I could see the video of me and the drills with those guys, just from a sheer athletic standpoint, it's just hilarious. But when we got to the playing part, I could actually play. Like I didn't stand mm -hmm. out. I was never going to be picked. That's the guy, but I could yeah. actually play. And I've always maintained this, that if you can play, you can play. Like there's yeah. going to be guys that are dunking on people and doing things that you can't believe. But once we're in the game, if you know how to play, you're going to be able to play. And that's what I found. But uh, I also found I wasn't going to be making these pro teams. And so, mm. yeah, you're faced with that prospect of like, hey, now it's senior men's and that's about all I have. I'm going to treat that as big as I can, but that's about all I have. And one big shout out I got to give here is to Adam Wedlake, who I could I could give you an endless list of things to thank him for. He, if, For those who don't know, aside from this podcast, the things that he does for basketball Manitoba and for basketball in his province are just unbelievable so thank you adam for everything you do not only the invitation to be on here but just the things that you do to grow our game and to support and encourage everything from players coaches builders it's just i we just we don't know how lucky we are when you go to other Absolutely. places you you start to realize oh like they don't all have an adam wedley and we yeah. do and, and he's the best so thank you adam but quick 100%. story about adam in those years that there's there's 14 senior men's games they start a uh, spring league. So now when the, the winter season is done, there's a senior men's spring league and they have the age limit of years 18 to 23. I'm like, okay, I'm 23. This is great. I'm done college. <laughs> awesome. So I play in the spring league and it's an unbelievable experience. And when it ends, I'm already thinking, oh man, what am I going to do next year? I'm too old. So the next year, <laughs> several months in advance, I email Adam and the team at WNBA and I say like, any chance you could get this age limit extended? Like I, I got to be honest, I'm not done playing basketball. I need more basketball. I'm like 23. I'm, I'm too old. And they said, yeah, for sure. Let's extend it. So 18 to 24. And then the next year, please extend the age limit. Yeah, for sure. 18 to 25. This goes <laughs> on for several years where one day my dream comes true when Adam and the, the, the group just finally decided we're not going to cap the max age limit. Like <laughs> I, didn't, I never knew why they were doing it. I thought, oh, they don't want 29 year olds playing for some reason or 33, but they just didn't think there would be interest at that age. They thought, oh, we're making it for 18 to 25 because yeah. older guys don't want to play in this. But at a certain point, they took the age limit thing off. Oh, man, now I'm all set. <laughs> You're like, let's go. Yeah, so so that was amazing. I still appreciate that because they could have easily not changed that. And again, I would have been limited mm -hmm. in my time of playing. Mm -hmm. But uh, mm -hmm. going back to what you said, so for a few years, it was really tough. I really, senior men's was about all I had. And I treated it like it was the NBA really. And uh, I'll just give a couple of shout outs here. Guys like Suk and Ogo. Uh, man, did I learn how to lose to those guys. <laughs> and, and by doing that, you learn how to win, but like they had some incredible teams and they yeah. just the way they play to this day, I respect them so much. And uh, yeah, I, I treated those like, I'll just, I'll just tell you right now, five years in a row, I lost in the championship game of division one of senior men's. And for an entire year, I'd prepare essentially for that one game just the chance to get to back to that game. Mm. Uh, eventually we did win it. I, I got the uh, amazing ability to play with Elliot Unger and a bunch of other guys. And eventually one year we finally won it. And uh, I'll never forget one guy, Derek Shore, a former teammate of mine, incredible player for those who know when he shook my hand in the, in the line after, I think he understood, like I'd been waiting five years for this <laughs> one win. So he, like, he like kind of gave me the, Hey, enjoy this. Like you deserve this kind of thing. But Again, when, when 14 games a year and then that spring league is all you have, 
if you're like me, you treat it very seriously because that's yeah. you, you want to play more than that. That's all you have. Let's take that as seriously as we can. Yeah. And so uh, I don't know if we'll get to this now, but years later, they start to change the rules and they start to build more senior men's leagues and, and things change a little bit that way. So, okay. So you mentioned they're playing. I, I wanted to touch just very briefly because you didn't, you didn't leave Providence fully because you did coach there for a while as well. So like, when did that's the right. coaching start? And like you, cause you, you were the head coach for a while, were you not? That's right. So I, yeah. uh, so how did you manage all this <laughs> is the big question as well. And yeah, how long so, did you do it for? So the year after I finished playing, my coach, Tim Friesen there invited me to come back and be an assistant with the team and kind of lead the next group of guys. Uh, so I was an assistant with the men's team for one year. And then uh, the year after that, I actually had an opportunity to be the head coach of the women's team. They were, uh, they had Charles Carlos, who I'll also mm-hmm. former guest of the podcast there. Also a big mentor of mine. He was the women's coach when I played for the men's team and, and the stuff he taught me on and off the court was something I still treasure to this day. Uh, but anyway, he was leaving for another opportunity. And so the women's coach uh, role opened up and, and just like that, I was able to be the women's coach for a few years there. So nice. Uh, you did that, you yeah. did that for two years. That's for two years. That's right. Nice, nice, nice. At that point, I decided I wanted to go back to school and become a teacher. So I, I was not able to continue doing that, but yeah. Okay. So you had mentioned, you know, I'm not sure if we're going to get into this, but I'm just going to ask you straight up, straight question here. What is the most amount of teams that you've played on in a single season? And I know you have this number as well. And how many games have you played the most amount of games in a single calendar year or whatever, like basketball yeah. season, you know, yeah, fall yeah, to yeah. following mm-hmm. spring. So how many well, teams, how many games? <laughs> okay. So I, for many years, I didn't share this aside from great friends like you. Cause it was, I won't say it was embarrassing, but people were like, really? Like, you want to play that much? And the answer is yes. But keep in mind, back in the day, senior men's one team, you can't play in multiple divisions every year. Just like I was asking Adam about the spring league, I'm asking, could we please change the rule and play on multiple teams? And they're not changing it. And there just wasn't other leagues. Uh, That UAW league was your only league. So eventually there becomes other leagues, other leagues start up. Uh, Some are still around and some have disbanded since then. And UW opens up their policy of you can only play in one division. So to answer your question, in one season, a winter season, I played on seven teams. <laughs> and to do the math, <laughs> so, and by the way, did not miss a single game. Was able to oh. work out the schedule well in advance that I did not miss a single game. There were many weekends where I'd have six or seven games in two days, but was able to make them. Uh, what was I saying? Um, sorry, I forgot. Uh, I think you were just talking about how, like, you're saying how UW opened up the rule and then give you some perspective on the amount of games yes. you said you played Sorry. on. It. Yes, got yeah. it. So uh, the math, the NBA, they play 82 games in a year. And if they have a, a playoff run and they win the championship, but they play a best out of seven and go to seven games each time, the most games they could potentially play is 110. So 82 regular season, 28 in the playoffs. Yeah, That's a lot of games. Yeah. In a shorter amount of time than the NBA season, I played 127 <laughs> games. So more than the NBA guys in a shorter oh. amount of time to give you the math of it. And I got to be honest, it was amazing. <laughs> I was not like my whole dream this whole time was I want to play and care as much as an NBA player. I was doing that. And then some, I was playing more games than NBA and I probably was caring more about these games than actual NBA guys. I got to be honest. What a dream come true. Like it, it essentially became my version of the NBA. It really opened my eyes to this, like you can have a dream, but you can also make your dream in some way. And so yeah. 
I don't need to play in the actual NBA. If what I wanted was more basketball and taking it seriously and being a part of teams and all that stuff, with the ability of the opportunity these leagues have allowed me, I can do this. Like I can actually yeah. do it more than what I thought possible. So as much as we laugh about it, as, as much as people kind of shake their head and go, why would you play that much? Or like, how could your body do that? I just look at it and go, man, I was, I was playing in my own version of the NBA. It was yeah. incredible, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny. You know, we started off the podcast. I said, you're a staple and all this, you you know, everyone kind of knows who you are, but uh, you know, I know they have different rules, you know, we know, um, you know, they widen the key. I think that was for Chamberlain and they, they change all these rules. So you have the age rule. So yours is like the Bodner rule. It's like they opened up the league. So that was like the minor league. I, and I know why it's because it was a continuation of the WNBA spring league. Okay. And it was supposed to be for kids, right? Like for youth. And so you essentially changed a rule in the province. So shout out, <laughs> shout out to the Bodner rule. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. Um, So Obviously, you played this whole senior men's thing. Like, we obviously played a bunch together as well. Mm. But sometime after we started playing together, uh, you entered into the 3x3 world, the professional 3x3. And that's something we did together. Yep. But I actually want to, before you tell that story, if you can kind of give a brief backstory as to your commitment. I mean, like, you're always looking for games. You've been playing three on three yep. well before 2014 when you started mm. playing professional 3x3. So, I don't know, maybe to start. Tell us about your first tournament, how it started, um, and then we can transition that into the, the the FIBA 3x3 world. For sure, for sure. So, again, with that theme of wanting to play more, wanting to play more, as, as people will remember, Hoop It Up was a really big thing that came mm -hmm. around once a year in June, three-on-three uh, -three tournament, not 3x3 as we know it now, but three-on-three. -three. <clears throat> and it was just an opportunity to get out and play at tournaments against whoever showed up, which was a lot of people back in the day. It was really incredible. And again, shout out to Adam and the team that put the, that organized those things. They're incredible. I just, you, if you want to see the basketball community come together, that was it. Yeah. Like the Hoop It Up event, you just, you could walk court after court and just see everyone you knew. It was incredible. Anyway, uh, one year, I'm, I'm playing in that uh, year after year. And one year I say to a teammate from my college, uh, Chris Friesen, I say, hey, you want to play in Hoop It Up? And he goes, I'll only play if we play the top division. And I go, oh, hey, we're not. We're not ready for that. That's top yeah. down. Like, we can't play that. And he goes, I'm not playing anything else. So I want to play with him so badly. We sign up for top gun. And to my surprise, like, Hey, we can compete. Like we're not bad. Like we're not going to win this thing, but like, we're not embarrassing ourselves. We can play with these guys. And so this leads to me signing up for top gun each year and finding guys to play with. And again, staple of this is Derek Shore. I connect with mm -hmm. him early. We play a lot of pickup at that point, And he becomes my, if you call me and you need me, I'll be there. And for many years, if you played basketball here and you were good, you got a call from me that said, Hey, you want to play hoop? <laughs> yeah, I've gotten a few of those. And yeah, you got you got the call. Anyone who yeah, a lot of people got that call. And a lot of people said no. <laughs> they just were not interested in playing this one-off tournament. These are guys that are playing university, potentially pro. They don't want to get hurt. They don't want to play outside. They don't want to worry about the weather, they whatever it is. So I've got Derek and every year I'm looking for that third or fourth guy to play with me. And uh, so sure enough, one year we actually win Top Gun. Like shortly after we joined it, we win Top Gun and we go and we play at the national championships in Toronto. And uh, we lost in the national championship, believe it or not. Um, but it started this whole idea of like, okay, it's not just a weekend thing. If we can win here, you get to keep playing. And again, yeah. I want to play more. So let's, let's pursue that. So Aside from senior men's, now every year I'm getting ready for this one-off hoop it up three-on-three tournament. 
shout out to Mike Page, who, uh, <laughs> who, who killed my dream of moving on many years. Uh, we would match up with him and his team in the final uh, three years in a row, actually. And he, he, to this day, I still respect him and his game so much. But he, you want to talk about your ideal three-on-three player. We've talked about oh, yeah. this before. He was incredible. I learned so much from him playing against him, losing to him. But uh, anyway, they would beat us several years in a row. And I would spend the whole year just hoping to get back to that one game against him and whoever his team was. And uh, sure enough, at one point, they, uh, they kind of changed it where it was a different sponsor or something like that. But whoever won got to go on. Sorry, I forgot to mention for several years, they didn't do that. If you win, you move on to the national yeah. championship. But they brought it back at some point. And my luck, Mike and I got to play together. Uh, mm. again with Derek Shore and another teammate uh, Joel Weeb and we we won the Winnipeg one and got to go on and uh, I'm mixing up my years sorry before I played with Mike we won and we went and we made the national championship yeah. again yeah. and this time we actually got to play in a Toronto Raptors game at halftime and yeah. uh, so I've told this story before there was thousands of people at the game not watching our game but, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. uh, they were there for the Raptors game and at halftime we got to play the national championship game uh, we lost, but just an incredible experience to be on the court, to be in front of that many people, to yeah. be representing Manitoba nationally among all the provinces was incredible. Uh, the next year I get to play with Mike and we're even better. And we go to the national championships again. Uh, he didn't, he didn't end up making that trip. So we didn't do as well. And I still wonder what would happen if he was there, but long story short, the three on three thing was a really big thing for a lot of years for me. And then all of a sudden this three X three thing came along and no one even knew what it was. Like they, yeah. the new rules, the new idea of what this game was. I, to this day, a lot of people still don't really know what it is, but mm-hmm. they really didn't know what it was, including yourself. And so the first couple of years, the only place in Canada that they're hosting it is in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I believe Edmonton as well, but I actually fly to Toronto. I get a former college teammate of mine and whoever he can find. And we play in this three X three tournament. And again, no one knows the rules. Uh, no one knows what's going on. But they they had this thing that if you win at this tournament, you can move on to what's called the World Tour. And they're having the World Tour in places you can't even believe. Like, hey, you get to go to Turkey. And you like yeah. just unbelievable locations. And so I remember telling people back home, hey, I'm going in Toronto to play this 3x3 tournament. If we win, we move on to such and such uh, place. And they're saying, well, you're going to go. Like, you always win in Winnipeg. You're going to win over there. Some of these teams at this 3x3 tournament in Toronto, there was a year where there was guys that all played D1. I didn't know that at the time, but Division yeah. One NCAA. The stuff they were doing, I don't even think they understood how good they were. Like, they were just on autopilot, just killing people. Was Wasn't that like Deshaun Pierre or something Sean like that Pierre, was on the team? Yeah, yeah, Justin yeah. Edwards, just incredible yeah, yeah. guys. So anyway, long story short, I, I do that for a couple of years. There's no, there's nothing in Winnipeg, but I'm willing to go anywhere to play in this thing. Like this is, this is high level. This is three X three, the chance to play more. I want to do this more. Uh, all of a sudden one day you and Wyatt, Wyatt Anders, uh, I can't remember. I still to this day don't remember how we actually started talking about it, but you guys had approached me and said, I know you've done this three X three elsewhere. Sorry, to back up a second, you were hosting three-on-three tournaments here, which were a really, yes. really cool thing. So you kind of knew my uh, passion and, and involvement with three-on-three, so that's how we connected on that. But uh, you guys kind of asked me, hey, this 3x3 thing you've been to, what's it like, all that stuff, we're thinking of doing it. And so we obviously formed our, our team of uh, myself, Wyatt, and you. And uh, I st- I'll still, i never forget this. You guys were saying to me, okay, let's go to that Toronto tournament. How do you think we'll do – with this team because like you bet you've gone and played with your college teammate and mm-hmm. guys we're practicing we're preparing we're obviously high level players how do you think we'll do 
And I kept saying, you guys, like, we're going to do good. We're going to be good. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> went to the, so we went to that Toronto tournament. And this yeah. is a tournament that two years in a row I've gotten killed. Like, we've, we've finished fourth place, but we're not touching those top teams. And the same guys that had been beating up on me for a couple of years were beating up on them. You, Wyatt, and I, playing just the three of us, we, we like, really understand this 3x3 game. We prepared a lot, and we have – the right chemistry and the right skill set. And all of a sudden we win the tournament. So like to go from, man, I, oh, can you imagine being able to compete with these guys? So we actually win the tournament yeah, and our first yeah. time together doing this. I, I can't even explain to you how incredible that felt. And I'll never forget. We, in the beginning of our three X three team, we would do sit down interviews and people would ask us, so what's this all about? What are you hoping to do? And I would, I would give comments like we're living a dream. We are doing something that I can't believe. And I remember you and Wyatt kind of going like, what are you talking about? And I I would say to them, say to you guys, I've been doing this on my own for 10 plus years, treating three on three like it was the NBA and wanting to take it seriously. You guys are coming on board and taking it seriously with me. We're going to practice. We're going to travel. We're going to do this the real way. Mm -hmm. This This is literally a dream come true. And so I remember the interviewers would kind of go, oh, and you guys were like, yeah, dream. Sure. Yeah. But like, even you guys couldn't understand yeah. why it was yeah. such a big deal to me. And For so sure. that in it, like the stuff we did, I still, I, I can't believe we had the opportunity to do that stuff. We, you and I talk about it all the time. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we, we put in a lot of hours on the road and yeah. traveled overseas and yeah, we, uh, sure. it was, yeah. it was, it was insane, but interestingly enough, you actually got to go play pro in Japan. Yeah. Playing three X three. Yeah. Yeah. So what, a so if you don't know, I played pro when I was 38. <laughs> so yeah. I always joke with my college coaches. Imagine if I'm in a practice when I'm 21 and I say to them, like, you know what? You give me 17 years, I'm going to play pro. <laughs> <laughs> like I was so far what so far past what people consider the prime, right? Yep. And that whole idea of, of playing pro uh, was surely like, again, I, I had my own version of that where I played on the seven teams and created my own NBA, if you will. But the idea of actually playing pro just, it didn't even seem possible anymore. And so to actually sign a contract and to yeah. go and play on a team and have a Jersey with your name on it and to get paid to do the thing. Like I said to you, when we were in the stages of negotiating contract, I said to you, like, man, I hope I don't tell them that I would pay them to do this. Yeah, exactly. Like, if they <laughs> like, find out that I would not only do this for free, that I would pay them, <laughs> this is going to be a problem. You're like, do not say that. But like, <laughs> the, the idea of going to play and, and, and again, take basketball this seriously and do this yeah. every day and train and prepare and have this many games. And again, at that age, when you don't think it's possible anymore. And again, 3x3, such a big passion of mine. Like I didn't just play it just to play more. I love and still do yeah. love three X three. So the, the chance to do that at a professional level, I, t- I still pinch myself right now going like that actually happened. Like, yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. It's crazy. And yeah, like you said, that, to be clear, like that league's legit, um, high level, you're getting paid. They're giving you an apartment to stay in. Like it's, it's big time I, out there, you know, two quick things I'll share from that. So first of all, I was an import considered an import because it's a Japanese league. I would see the other imports from the other teams before games and I would just laugh that I'm, I'm like, they, they look like they're there (laughs) to be imports. Like this guy is coming from D one and this guy played pro in England and they're supposed to be here. If they knew that I'd been training in my gym where I teach 
like a lot and hard and playing senior men's, but like the comparison of our resumes was just hilarious. Like yeah, this guy yeah. played at Kansas, Graham played at Providence yeah. 17 years ago. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. And uh, I just, I, it's hilarious. And I even laughed. I was, I was, I was sent there to replace uh, an import before me. If he saw whether it be a picture of me, even a video and thought to himself, this is the guy you're replacing me with this guy. Like, and this guy was a big, big time player, but I just, I, he had to scratch his head and go, how am I being replaced with this guy? Yeah. But to put it yeah. into perspective, every day that I'm there, uh, I would have treated it, treated it this way anyway, but I really had perspective of like, if I don't do a jo- the job, I'm going to be mm-hmm. simple. If yeah. I'm replacing this guy and he's that level, I'm, I'm going to be replaced really quick if I'm not yeah. meeting the standards that they have. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 No, that's crazy. That's crazy how the whole thing came together, but uh, yeah. no we could talk about that forever. There's so many of these parts we could just go on forever, yeah, about, especially because yeah. I have so much inside information, but yeah. um, you know, so obviously, I mean, you, you do the 3x3 thing for a while. Um, you, you, you kept playing, like it was still an option, but you stepped away kind of from the, the seriousness mm-hmm. of it, right? Yeah. Like it was less serious. I know you played in a few things here and there, but then all of a sudden this 3x3 event is coming to, to Manitoba, <laughs> this whole deaf games thing. And, yeah. and, and I'll tell the story for this because I'm sitting in the office, I'm working and uh, Adam calls me in and he's like, oh yeah, this, I think actually they were there. And I'm like, who was that? And they were, they came for a meeting and he's like, oh, that was uh, people with the, the, you know, the deaf games. They want to do this, this tournament here. And they were asking about basketball stuff. I said, oh, like what, what's about? They're doing a 3x3 tournament. And right away, I don't know if like I mentioned it to him, but then I contacted you. I think I just sent you an email right away. Like, hey, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, what's going on, but you had never heard of it. Let's be clear. But had that not happened or had I just not been there that day, maybe you don't even go on to do any of this stuff, which is shocking in itself. But in any case, so you played in this tournament and that's kind of the start of your, your connection with the Canada Deaf National Team. Yeah. So like you, you know this, I thank you. And I continue to thank you. These, these opportunities, again, going back to the Kirby opportunity, I forgot one I want to mention Randy Cassano used to run what was called the Bison Summer League, which yep. was the premier yep. league. Like you couldn't get into this thing unless you played university pro certain level. And I, I, I'll never forget Kirby votes for me and said to Randy Cassano, if you need another guy, this, this Graham guy can play. He played with our division one senior men's mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. And I went to see Randy and he basically said, listen, I don't normally let guys in that don't have a certain level, but Kirby tells me you can play. So I'm going to give you a shot. It's opportunities like that. They don't have yeah. to do it. But once they do, it changes everything. Whether it's my yeah. high school coaches letting me be on the team, it's Kirby getting me on there for senior men's, my college coach letting me have a spot, Randy allowing me into this league. These are the, the things that as people give you these opportunities and then you use them, your confidence grows and you just, they yeah. lead to the next thing. So I, I say that all to say, you telling me about this starts everything. If you don't mention it, what you just said, I don't, none of it happens, but long story short, the Canada deaf games were coming to Winnipeg. I've never heard of the Canada deaf games. I don't know what that is. And you say, yeah, they're hosting, uh, they're doing a three X three portion of the games. And uh, they were just asking basketball Manitoba for some help in terms of organizing the rules. Would you qualify to play in this? You knew I wore hearing aids. Uh, I know it's the Canada deaf games, but is there a possibility you could play in this? And I, I said, I have no idea. I've never heard of this. And again, if you don't mention it, even though it happens in Winnipeg, I wouldn't have even known it was happening. I yeah. don't know if Adam yeah. would have mentioned it to me, whatever. But uh, sure enough, I look into it and I go home and it, and it shows the, the hearing levels you would need to qualify for this. 
And I got to be honest, I've worn hearing aids my whole life. I had no idea what my levels were. I had never looked at my tests. The numbers didn't mean anything. I just knew I need hearing aids or I can't really function, right? Yeah. Uh, so I look at the, 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 the levels and I find a hearing test of mine. And sure enough, oh, wow, I actually, <laughs> whatever these numbers mean, I'm in, I qualify. So I write you back <laughs> and I say, I can play in this thing. And so I get in touch with uh, the Manitoba Deaf Sport Association, which I didn't know existed. And I said, listen, I, I think I qualify for this. I'd love to play. And they said, yeah, sure. Come on down. And so the day of the tournament, I meet my tournaments. You were there to watch, of course. And uh, we do really well. Like to put it in perspective, it's a 3x3 tournament. I have been on the world tour with you and wife. <laughs> we have played some of the best teams in the world. Of yes, literally. Literally. I am now playing against guys who are learning the rules that day. Their basketball Manitoba is explaining how to play 3x3. And you and I are kind of looking at each other like, wow, like we, like, yeah. I, I got a bit of a head start here. So the first day goes really well. I'm playing with guys I've never met, but I mean, it's 3x3. We, we were able to catch on pretty quick. I can't speak to them because it's my first experience with deaf players that sign and I don't know sign language and, mm-hmm. and they can't hear me, obviously, but uh, <laughs> So there's a lot of me looking over at you on the side and going like, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah, a lot of looks yeah. like that. And so anyway, at the end of the first day, I'll never forget one of the uh, one of the main organizers uh, from the Canada Deaf Sport Association comes up and says uh, they have an interpreter to talk to me, and they say, "Hey, uh, you know you you got to be deaf or hard of hearing to play in this, right?" And I said, "Yeah." And they said, "Well, because they they thought because we're doing so well, they thought well this guy just." Heard there was a tournament, came to play, which I wouldn't mm-hmm. done. They allowed me, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, he just he just wants to play some basketball, and so he came, and he doesn't understand this is for deaf and hard of hearing yeah. athletes. And I said, oh no no, actually uh, I am. I, I I looked at my test and I, I wear hearing aids, and sure enough, I am uh, the level to qualify. And he kind of looked at me, he said, are you serious? I said, yeah. He goes, did you know there's a national team for this? And I said, <laughs> I said I didn't even know this existed. There's a national team. He's like, yeah, and I think. Uh, I think we're going to want to talk to you about that. I said, oh, wow, okay. And so we play the second day. We win the gold medal, the Canada Deaf Games gold medal. I never heard of it. Met these guys, and there you go. We're winning. And so sure enough, they approached me, and they said, listen, you're going to hear back from us. We have a national team tryout camp in the fall, and uh, you're going to be getting an invitation. And so, again, not knowing this world at all. I knew the players that I played against, the guys I had met, but I don't know anything about this. What did Mm -hmm. they compete in what's the level like what's how do they coach yeah can I, can I do this if I can't sign how fast could I learn sign language all that stuff and uh so I go to the trial camp and there was almost 30 guys there it was in Alberta and I thought whoa this is this is bigger than I thought and I'll never forget the camp went really well again a lot of I put in a lot of preparation I was I was let's say I was really ready for this because I really really thought this was a big opportunity and at the end, the coach, he uh, on the last day, he said to me, welcome to Team Canada. And he threw me a pair of uh, Canada basketball shorts. And like, that sounds like just a little moment, but it's no different than Steve Nash on the national team saying, hey, you're on the squad. Like, that's how big of a deal it was. And I don't even know if that coach understood, but like, I'm on the Canadian deaf national. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and to put it in perspective, there was a lot of guys that day that did not make the team. And uh it really made me understand like, wow, you're way luckier than you even realize. Like there's not a lot of guys from Manitoba, uh, but you're, you're the guy from Manitoba that's on, or at that time, the, uh, the only guy from Manitoba on the team. This is, this is unbelievable. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that started a journey that I'm still on that, again, only starts with you going, hey, do you think you, do you know what this is? And do you think you qualify for this? And it opened up a whole world of things I had no idea even existed. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. I like how you put that in perspective though, just kind of like those opportunities. And the one thing with you though, I think is different is you, you, you kind of maintain the dream, right? So the dream was always there. And as a result of always having that dream, you're always ready. Mm. And I think that's, that's probably the biggest difference. Cause I think a lot of people, um, they, they find something they love and then they don't achieve whatever, you know, goal they wanted. And they're like, ah, oh, it's fine. I'll just move on and do something else. And it's fine. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But there is something to be said about, you know, just doing something for a long time and then always being ready as a result of it, right? Because you're like, oh, I'm going to do this regardless. I'm always ready. So anytime yeah. these opportunities came to you or you seek them out, like, you know, you are ready to, to participate and then accept the challenge and then grow from it, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So obviously we talked a little bit about it. I mean, you know, you've, you've participated in two big competitions. Uh, What's the future look like? Are you going to continue to, to participate with the team? Um, yeah. So uh, like I said, we had to wait a long time for this one because of the pandemic and everything. And in that process, I also had the opportunity to try out for and make the uh, the Def 3X3 national team, which never existed before, but they now have that. Unfortunately, we couldn't go to a competition we were supposed to go to um, in Israel. But uh, in terms of the future, I'm going to keep doing everything I can to be ready. As you said, uh, four more opportunities. I've, I've talked to our national team coach and he said, our plans are to keep you as long as you can keep doing this. So between the three X three deaf national team and the five on five, uh, as the opportunities come, I, I just going to do everything I possibly can to, uh, be ready. Um, I don't take for granted that every day I'm playing right now is just a blessing that I just, who knows, right. You see so many injuries and so many things change and I, feel so fortunate just to be playing at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Right now we're in a, a, a not a rebuilding, a building phase. This tournament uh, that we just had really put in perspective where we are kind of on a global scale, how we stack mm-hmm. up with the rest of the world. And uh, we're really just getting started. Like they've had this national team for a while, but they told me this is the best version of it we've had essentially since 1985. Oh, wow. So we're really hoping to keep this core group of uh, players and coaches together and see if we can uh, build and get better. And, and when those next opportunities come, hopefully we can qualify for more and more. Yeah. Uh, we don't know what that looks like right now. Our coaches, our coach in the Canadian Deaf Sport Association is in the, in the process of uh, trying to determine how much do we need to train together? How often should we get this group mm-hmm. going and all that stuff to decide what do we need to be able to compete at that level? Cause right yeah. now, with the limited resources and practice time and, and avail- availability to get together, we just, we can't compete with those top teams. Mm-hmm. And so they're looking at how do we do that? How do we build a program that is consistently going to be on that level? Yeah. So, yeah. No, it totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. So speaking of that, uh, yeah. you know, I don't know if you have an off season, so maybe <laughs> we're, you know, I'm going to ask you like, well, you know, what's an off season like look like for you, but you know, I want you to maybe talk a little bit about and your training mindset. Like, so like, I know, I know you train all the time. So maybe just talk a little bit about, it doesn't have to be long, just maybe a little brief overview of what you do, because you're all, like I said, you're always ready. So that requires, and you talked about games. Like we talked about that, like crazy. One thing you didn't talk about is how much time you spend in the gym outside of games. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of been, uh, I don't know if I'd call it a secret. That's the part I just don't ever really talk about. People see me playing games and stuff. Uh, those who train with me kind of know how I approach it, but, uh, is there an off season? The short answer, absolutely not. Uh, and again, this is 
I feel fortunate in this, but there are just endless opportunities. There are now winter leagues, spring leagues, summer leagues. Uh, there's 3x3. There, like, there's not a part of the year where there isn't something. There's maybe like a two-week stretch in an entire year where there is no leagues happening. So there, mm-hmm. if you want to play, there are now opportunities that it never really stops, which is amazing. Like I, Yeah, that's what I kind of always wanted. Uh, in terms of the training thing, I just I, I told you this before. I still have such a desire to get better. And I see so many areas that I still could improve that I, that's my approach every day. Like I just, I'm constantly Mm -hmm. trying to work on stuff and get better and understand the game more and, and develop skills and develop uh, the mind for the game and stuff. And I I laugh because sometimes when you and I would train, I would say, okay, we're going to do this. And I'd be working on a skill, just something I was never using in the game. And you'd say, <laughs> why are we doing this? And I'd go, well, you know, I want to get better at this. And you go, but you never do this in games ever. And I would have this thought like, eh, I might. Like, <laughs> I, I was thinking about it the other day. I was laughing, thinking about you. I was thinking, imagine we're in a band together. And we go on tour and we play all the hits. And you see me practicing this song that our band doesn't even play. And you go, why, why are you practicing that song? We don't play that song. I go, eh, we might. <laughs> you never know. I want to be ready just in case. And you're like, no, no, we're never playing that song. Like, that's not part of our music. That's not yeah. even our genre. Yeah. And so I laugh because I would, I would, <laughs> I still do. I still do work on stuff that I'm probably not going to use, but it's that learning part. I yeah. see someone else yeah. do something and it's just, I'm so fascinated with it. And I just love, love the challenge of trying to get better. Uh, so yeah, I, I still, uh, Hmm. I still approach the preparation working out part more importantly than games. Mm. That's why mm-hmm. I can be ready for games because that yep. part is such a, a big part for me, I guess. hundred percent, hundred percent. All right. So we're getting close to the end of the interview here. Uh, you already kind of said your funniest story. You may have another one in the, in the holster, but I want to, before we get to that, I want to ask you about your most memorable basketball story. And yeah, I know you could say, Hey, there's so many, if there's more than one, narrow it down. But what what are your, some of your most memorable ones or the most memorable? Yeah, man, that's tough. Uh, and when people say, and by the way, the guests of this show, again, if they only knew how much I appreciate their stories and their wisdom, I'm just like at the edge of my seat every time. But, uh, but when they say something like, oh, there's so many, for me, like there's so many. Like I don't yeah. even know how to narrow it down. You don't want to leave people out. You don't want to not do justice to experiences you've had. Um, hmm. I'll try to give you the first couple that come to mind. But in college, we were playing in a game, a really big game. And I, I was, <clears throat> during my time in college, I was very fortunate to be part of a, I don't know if I'd call it a turning point in the program, but we started to have some success uh, that was really, really exciting. We, we play in both Canadian leagues and American leagues. And uh, mm. in the American leagues, it was so tough. The competition was so tough. And so we were finally breaking through and able to beat some of these tough teams. And I'll never forget in a really big playoff game. Uh, I can't remember exactly what the score was, but we had a slight lead in the last few minutes. And I just remember we scored. And as we were running back on defense, one of my teammates just yelled out, it doesn't get any better than this. <laughs> and I got to be honest, that <laughs> moment, like you just, that's the truth. Like in those moments, mm, and you yes. can only recognize this as they're happening. And it doesn't mean nothing will ever be as good as this, but as it's happening for someone to acknowledge it doesn't get any better to this. And to sit in that moment for a half a second and go, you're right. This is incredible. Like as I'm running down the court, I'm mm-hmm. acknowledging the moment I'm in and how special this is. And it was just amazing. And so I've had other teammates and I bring that up over the years. You remember when so-and-so said that? And it, mm-hmm. to be honest, in that moment and even now, like it doesn't get any better than that. And so those those things just stick with you and you 
you're conscious of that as you're having more moments and you try mm-hmm. to be in the moments and say like, oh, this is it. Like it's happening yeah. right now. Because yeah. too often we have an experience and later we look back and go, that was pretty cool. Yeah. So to try to be mindful and present of it as it's happening. So to fast forward, that was back in college. When we went on this latest trip, there was there was moments where I just found myself really recognizing in the moment what a what a special thing this was. So I remember we were, there was kind of a ramp that you had to walk up to to get into the gym. Uh, for the games and uh, we were walking and you're surrounded by everybody wearing the Canada gear and and mm-hmm. we've been seeing this every day all week and stuff but I turned to the interpreter and I said like we're playing for team Canada today and he kind of he didn't go like yeah I know he kind of did the like yeah and like you just like you just have this perspective of what that actually means like we're mm-hmm. representing an entire country we're playing yeah. against other places in the world I'm here yeah. playing basketball on this incredible level it's, it's I don't even I can't put it into words, but you just I had this moment of recognizing what a big deal that was. Yeah. And so like every second from that point on, you're just like, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. And it's not. Yeah, it's just incredible. And and again, I always say this. You can make things as big or as small as you want. Yes. You can make that experience less than it is. You can always do that. I said people do that with senior men's. Oh, it's just yep. senior men's or this senior men's man. Like this is a big yeah. deal. Yeah. And so I've just always taken the like this is a big deal. And uh, yeah, to recognize that in the moment was incredible. Uh, I don't know if those are the types of things you're looking for, but Uh, this is, this is, this is you, this is your story. I'm, I'm, I just, I just asked the question that I'm not looking for anything. So I appreciate that perspective though. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm someone who focuses on um, appreciating things while they're happening as much as possible. Um, So anytime anyone says that, I like, you know, I feel good for them because like you said, oftentimes people just take everything for granted and they might think on it, you know, in the past, but you know, they don't, they're not truly enjoying the moment or the thing, the process that they're, they're involved in. So I can tell you one more from that tournament, just because I've, I've told a few people about this recently, but uh, I shoot a lot of free throws. Like I, Mm -hmm. to back up in college, I thought I was a really good free throw shooter. And then one day I looked at the stats uh, for our team, for, uh, for a league. And I thought, no, that's not right. That's my shooting percentage. Mm-hmm. And I thought, no, that can't be right. And so I started this idea of like tracking my own stats, even in practice for free throws and finding out what do I actually shoot? And sure enough, I wasn't as good as I thought. And this led me on this journey of like, I'm, I'm going to get this free throw thing. Like I'm going to figure this out. And so for many, many years, free throws have been a thing that I really, really try to be prepared for. And, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, you love these moments of shooting big free throws and big moments and wondering like, will I come through in the clutch as they say and all that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been very fortunate to be in some really cool situations, uh, tying games, winning games in the last seconds with free throws. And in this Pan Am Def Tournament, uh, we were playing our last pool game. And if we lose this game, we're not going to advance to the the medal rounds. And uh, we're up by one with less than 10 seconds left. And they, they're going to have to foul us. And they have to foul us several times because they have to get to bonus. And so for a long time, I know like you're going to be shooting free throws to seal the deal or potentially lose this game. And you have time to think about it. You think like that could make you nervous, but I'm, I'm resting in the fact that you are prepared for this. Like you, this is what you want. You, you get ready for this. And so as I go to the free throw line to actually shoot the free throws, rather than thinking like, I hope I hit these, I hope I don't miss. I'm actually just thankful that I get this opportunity. Like I'm actually yeah. able to acknowledge like, wow, on this stage, at this level, at this point in the game, I get a chance to see if all this preparation is going to pay off. Am I going mm-hmm. to deliver in this moment? Like 
wow. And so fortunately I hit the free throws, but it wasn't even me anymore. Like it was on autopilot of like all the preparation I'd done yeah. and all the mental, the mental clarity of like, enjoy this rather than like, you have to make these. Yeah. That's not to say I'm not going to miss big free throws. I might miss some big ones tomorrow, but in that moment to acknowledge how cool it was to have that opportunity and then to just let your, your body and your mind kind of take you through it and do it uh, based on the preparation. Surreal, surreal moment. So that yeah. was, that was pretty cool. That's so cool. Yeah. I know we, obviously we talked about that offline um super super cool man um all right so we could probably talk forever and when we get off this when i stop pressing record we're probably going to talk a little bit more but <laughs> we're gonna have to cut this short yeah or i was gonna say cut this long i mean i don't know if we're going on the longest record here i was, I was thinking like when did we actually start but it's, it's been great um as you know i always like to leave with some advice okay so i mean your journey i would say is probably probably one of the most unique journeys uh, of all the guests we've had on here most of the people have this this story of having all this success in high school and and i and i said this before to you it's like you're like living the benjamin button you know it's like the opposite it's like a reverse right you're having um because a lot of people have some of their biggest success in high school and they go on to play in college and i play pro but they win championships in high school and they're all yeah. conference and they're and and yours it's kind of been flipped right like i mean you're, you didn't play in high school you barely played in high school you you know you played at a lower college and then you end up later on playing professionally along like you said you went over and played in japan and we played 3x3 some of these guys are like high level pros and mm -hmm. so the, just that story of of you just you know just keep going and and just it's just super unique so in saying all of that um realistically I, the way i like to frame it now is you're sitting in front of a bunch of kids um who are you know like you uh when you were young in high school, they, they love basketball. They want to, they want to succeed. They have all these dreams. Um, and based off of your experience, what would you tell them? You know, if they lift the hand up and say, Hey, Graham, you know, that's an unbelievable story. Uh, but you know, how can, what can you tell me that's going to help guide me down my own path, uh, to, to achieve the goals that I'd like to achieve? Wow. How do you, how do you summarize that? Eh? Yeah. Uh, it's funny enough. I talk to my wife, Stacy all the time about this and she's incredible. She like, uh, to have someone that supports you doing what I do and, and how I like to do things is amazing. So I just, I have to, I have to mention that she's incredible, but I tell her, um, when you hear these stories of like people, uh, coming from this, coming from that, whatever it is, I cannot tell you how much that hits home with me because you have to go back to that starting point of, I didn't play in high school like I started mm -hmm. that late mm -hmm. didn't make the team grade 11 barely played when I was on the team so every single thing I've done everything I've done has been such a like long shot if you will like there was yeah. no path for this there was no path to play college the idea yeah. of playing pro doing the world tour stuff with you and Wyatt like it just didn't exist in my mind uh so like to tell someone if you do this it'll equal this I don't know that world I know the mm -hmm. world of, of how I did it and so I tell her all the time like I see, I see that anybody has the potential to do that if they have the passion and the dedication to following that dream, whatever the dream may be. And it might not be basketball, but just that idea mm -hmm. of like, if you'd like to do something, are you willing to keep pursuing it? Mm -hmm. And the biggest advice I would give, and some people know this about me already, but I feel like we were given a certain amount of ability and effort and, and passion and enthusiasm. And I, I do that to show you like the limit of it. And all I know is that every opportunity I get, and it's the littlest things and the biggest things, I, I just give as much as I possibly can. If that's what I have, that's what I give. 
Yeah. Anything less is essentially a waste of what I've been given. There's a reason we've been given uh, whatever we've been given. And to, to use anything less than that is essentially a waste. And you're not going to get what you're hoping for. Uh, mm-hmm. And sometimes you do that and nothing happens and that's totally fine. That's the point. You had yes. that much, so you use that much. And again, you use what you've been given because you feel blessed and you feel so fortunate to have that. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the advice I give people is every opportunity you get, as much as you think it's not a big deal, do that. And uh, don't just do that when coaches are watching. Don't just do that when you're trying to make a team. Do that in every opportunity you get and you just don't know what will happen. Because again, yeah. I could have never foreseen all the opportunities I've had. I don't even know where it goes from here. You ask me what happens next. I don't know, but mm-hmm. I know this. I'm going to keep doing that and we'll see what happens. And I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah. that's yeah. that's the way I've approached it. And that's the best advice I could give because I just, mm-hmm. I that's the way I look at it. Yeah. Well, I think like the a, a way to summarize it would be, take whatever you do and, and make it your version of the NBA, <laughs> you know, it's like, and I think that's what you're saying is like, I don't care what it is. I'm going to give my all. And if you asked any kid, like, Hey, if you're in the NBA, what would you do? Mm-hmm. Like how, how hard did you play? They'd be like, Oh, I'd, I'd, I'd play the hardest. Right. Yeah, and yeah. Well, just do that all the time. Right. If you're going to, whatever you're going to go into, you use this analogy of like this, how much you have, like just give it that all mm-hmm. um, the same way you would regardless of whatever it may be. Right. And so yeah. I think, yeah. yeah, I think that's a, that's super good advice. Like I said, I've, I've told, I've said this to you many times before. Um, like that's the one thing that I, I always like, everyone has their own things that make them special, but that's one thing with you is like, you just found a way to stay um, passionate or, and, 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 you know, the whole, like trust the process, love the process. Like you're just so involved in it. And again, it's, it's offered you so much opportunities and then it's, it's, you've just never given up ever because you enjoy what you're doing right like you said you're giving it all of it right so i always respect that about you i appreciate you man i'm super happy to have had sat, sat here and just let you let you do your thing um i'm hoping that other people uh listening are, are can find the same type of i guess um what's the word i'm looking for they are enamored or appreciate uh, the same type of things I appreciate from you just hearing your story, right? You had said, hey, there's all these guests. I appreciate this, this, this. You know, I'm hoping that your story comes through and, and, and touches some people the same way that their stories have touched you. So thank you so much. Thank you, man. That means a lot. I uh, this I almost had to pretend we weren't doing this and you and I were just <laughs> talking because it's just such it's such an honor to me and I just can't, still can't believe it. And I I know I'm not in the list of people that have been on the show, and, and but I so grateful for the opportunity and again you and adam and anyone involved in making this podcast please keep doing it because you have no idea how much i enjoy it and just can't wait to listen every time there's an episode so well i appreciate you brother and uh we'll say we'll sign off you and i will talk after but say goodbye to everyone else and, and thank you thanks again all right brother thanks for listening to today's episode please like subscribe follow and share this series and reach out to us with your comments on the show thanks again for joining us